Hello, good morning. My name is Asher, and I am a conscious creator and your leader for this morning. Welcome to the alignment discussion meeting of conscious creators. Our purpose as conscious creators is to fulfill fundamental human needs and guide others who have a desire and willingness to do the same. These needs are security, connection, community, intimacy, communication, uh, sorry, just showing that. Creative expression, sensation, progression, and that's the last one here. Reflection. Our process is outlined in the following set of measures. Number one, we acknowledge habit patterns that undermine our purpose. Number two, we gain awareness of our self-defeating habit patterns. Number three, we share the effects of supporting our self-defeating habit patterns. Number four, we begin to cultivate a curious and receptive mind. Number five, we accept the possibility of new life-affirming experiences. Number six, we choose to bring our perspective into alignment with our purpose. Number seven, we commit to acting upon the insights of a conscious and creative mind. Number eight, we create space by releasing what no longer serves us. Number nine, we consciously create new life-affirming experiences. We meet regularly in order to cultivate a community that's based upon mutual fulfillment. Our members come together in a sincere and intentional space to help one another with a singleness of purpose that might otherwise be unavailable. The way of the conscious creator is the perfect companion process for anyone who's engaged in therapy, healing modalities, 12-step work, and more. To expand on this, I've asked a fellow conscious creator to read uh, the attachment addiction handout. Uh, attachment addiction. We view addiction as a type of attachment disorder. Survivors of trauma and neglect have trouble establishing and maintaining healthy bonds. Having inadequate tools to address our lack of connection, we often forego intimate bonds and attach to things instead. These rituals of self-soothing become our habitual patterns. We define attach attachment addiction as a habitual dependence on a mechanism in order to compensate for lack of con connection. Alcohol, sex, food, drugs, money, codependence, self-harm, social media, hoarding, anorexia, and perfectionism are just a few of the mechanisms we engage in habitually. The root cause of attachment addiction is not the drink, drug, or roll of the dice, but rather a hidden attachment to our ideas, narratives, and beliefs. The process of reconnection and wholeness can only begin by acknowledging our unknowing, yet active investment in seeing ourselves as crazy, sick, or somehow broken. We are not really crazy or sick or broken. We simply support beliefs that make us feel like we are crazy, sick, or broken. Once we are able to see that, we can begin to address these those self-defeating beliefs, medicating lies, will never connect us to the truth. Hmm. Thank you. Um, okay, and then back again uh, for another reading. I've asked um, someone, uh, a friend, to read uh, the Greater Power Than Self handout as well. Hi, I'm the friend. Hi, friend. <laughs> Greater Power Than Self. The consciousness of being is our direct connection to spiritual love and truth. It's very practical and accessible. It is beyond the man-made realms of right and wrong. It is neither a God that reigns in heaven 
nor a devil that reigns in hell. It is unaffected by fear, doubt, or conditioning. It avails us to an expanded sort of spiritual awareness that allows us to see through eyes of love rather than fear. The merging or combining of parts into a whole is called integration. When the consciousness of being and self are integrated, a greater power or perspective than self comes into focus. Through our GPS, we access spiritual insights that help us recognize and embrace opportunities for growth and expansion. This happens by sustaining an internal connection to what we are. The consciousness of being is what we are. Thank you. Yeah, so this is kind of like, um, and then this meditative mantra is, is like kind of talks about how we mitigate those trauma patterns so we can even establish a connection with this GPS because our brains get so, and we're dealing with the progressive illness not i mean yes the alcoholism is illness but the literature here says that it's those thought patterns it's those trauma patterns that progress they become progressive and become more automatic and become more insidious and become more of who we are mm. by the time we're you know my age and older it's brutal it's bad it's a bad neighborhood so brutal. it's brutal it can be brutal i mean if i don't do my mantras for like three days i'm right back in that cesspool you know mm -hmm. what i mean it's just anyway this that's what this 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 um this handout will speak speak to so i'm going to read the meditative mantra handout so people in active addiction struggle to establish a consistent connection to a greater power than self after some addicts achieve physical sobriety many find that their disruptive thought patterns create challenges this diminishes the quality of their recovery and increases their chances of relapse. In order to sustain conscious contact with a greater power than self, recovering addicts will need to become responsible for the mental effects of past traumas. Our process helps to overcome these obstacles to long-term recovery. We practice meditative mantras to help the trauma-affected mind become open and receptive. Our mantras mitigate the effects of common survival patterns, much like chemotherapy can shrink tumors or medication can make a virus undetectable. <clears throat> this creates the mental space to reconnect with the greater power than self gradually over time. This helps many to overcome their intellectual resistance through a direct personal experience. Sorry, my throat. Um, there's coffee. You, you drink coffee? I mean, coffee if you want some. It's out there. But if you don't, that's fine, too. Is there a mug? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, there's you all just, kinds of mugs. Oh, is it all right? Get one, or is it? For sure. Yeah, that's why I offered. What about? I mean, we're fine. Okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'll pause now. And we're back. Our friend has gotten her coffee. So what we're doing is um, when the, the process, I'm just going to kind of catch you up. Because when the process initially was downloaded, so to speak, um, was about two years ago. And the way it was downloaded was different than how it is now. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you a little, um, uh, it was, it, the, the measures were, we acknowledge habit patterns. It, they were how I said them today. We acknowledge the habit pattern, we gain awareness of the habit pattern, and then we share the effects, which is basically, if you know AA, it's one, four, and five. So it's like we admit we're powerless, we do the inventory, then we share the inventory with someone else. So that was the way it was originally crystallized. And then 
bringing it into Pathfinders, we bumped up against resistance from the board because it was a different, it wasn't a 12 step thing. And it challenged us to, to, to format it more like AA. And so we switched it to acknowledging habit patterns, then cultivating a curious and receptive mind, then accepting the possibility of new life affirming experiences. So it's basically like acknowledging a pattern, then considering what the possibility possible override pattern could be, like becoming curious of new possibilities, then doing the alignment mantras, and then doing the habit pattern inventory. So it's patterned more like AA. But we... So anyway, that's the, we're kind of like, you know, but we, now they don't care because they see the validity in it and they're not asking us to do any specific Who's thing. The board. What's the board? The people that run Pathfinders. Okay. Like there's Elijah, there's Gary, there's uh, Pete, who you see at the 1230 meeting, the guy, Pete, who shares a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's, and then Mike, but basically it was only just, and Brock is the, the, the main guy. Um, really great guys, but just, it's an unfamiliar thing. Conscious Creators has been meeting here for um almost five years and we've done like 400 meetings building this material up to this point you're here here sometimes there's 12 people here sometimes there's me here so it's just like um uh but every week we're just you know learning and growing and so but at, since the board's not really tripping on us anymore we're kind of like it makes more sense to do it the initial way we're thinking so the way that we're going to go through it uh, today is you know you're going to acknowledge a pattern mm -hmm. that you you would like to gain awareness of, and then we'll walk through the process and have a conversation about it. That sounds cool. Okay, so like on one twenty six, there's a list of twenty habit patterns, um, and then there's an expanded way on one twenty seven where it kind of says uh, it says that pattern in other ways. Okay. So if you want to take a couple of minutes or take whatever time, but if you want to choose one of those twenty patterns. Um, one that jumps off the page at you, one that you're particularly like bottoming out on and being like, this is just not working and it's contributing to my attachment addiction. And if there isn't one, maybe a, those reading that list will jar your brain to think of the one that is. Uh, here's it. Regulate emotions with addiction. Through drug, through, yeah, with addiction. Okay. There's a lot, but that... That That's the one that jumps off the page? Yeah, since we're tying it in with alcohol. Okay, cool. So then, you know, um, so that's like someone just like saying, you know, I, um, I admit that I'm powerless over attachment addiction and it's making my life unfulfilled. That's basically what you, you what someone would be acknowledging. And Because our purpose in Conscious Creators isn't to maintain sobriety. It's to fulfill those fundamental needs. It's to start to be able to connect with people and have community, be creatively expressive. I think you mentioned you're an artist, so it sounds like you know some of these needs people are really good at, and other ones they got no clue how to even go about building those kind of things. So um, this process provides the structure to start nurturing those needs. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm trying to tie it in with the the alcohol part or the addiction part. Well, we'll go to the habit pattern inventory now. So once you um, once you have seen that, um, so you picked a habit pattern number nine. So habit pattern number nine is on page, it's on page 179. 
And so what this habit pattern inventory does is it, it, it connects the pattern of behavior because it's a pattern of behavior. In AA, they say, I am an alcoholic, mm -hmm. but I am a human being. And I regulate my emotions with drugs and alcohol. So that, rather than claiming an I am statement, like overall, I'm an alcoholic. Well, I'm a multidimensional being that's got a lot going on. But I just so happen to have created a pattern of regulating my emotions with addictive mechanisms because I've had trust issues with people or I just that's just what I did. And it's for most of us, the drugs and alcohol you know, it, it became that when we were younger, it was thumb sucking or biting our nails or rubbing the inside of a blanket or yeah, having right. collecting toys, Barbies. Like so we had some sort of thing that we were dissociating with, right, right. creating an emotional field and totally dissociating from what we needed to, what we were unavailable or unwilling or incapable of even dealing with. Exactly. Does that make you exactly. want to share on that? I mean, can if anything comes, my experience well, let's, let's read important? through the pattern inventory and then you can relate that to your own experience. Okay, got Would, it. Um, do you mind if I read it to you yeah, sure. or do you want to read it? Uh, whatever works for you. Um, when I indulge in the habit pattern of regulating my emotions with addictive mechanisms, what's your addictive mechanism that you're one like your go-to? Well, just during the pandemic, it became alcohol. Mm -hmm. There's a lot when I think about it. Yeah, but from starting from young, all these little things like now I'm not drinking, so I'm, I'm like picking at my thumbs. Yeah, you know? I do that. Uh -huh. See this line right here? Yeah, it's from biting the inside of my cheek. Yeah, I used to do that mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Anything I can do to create a little feeling, a sensation, to disconnect me from the feeling or the not feeling or the lack of feeling or just the you know, just to feel, control my feelings. Control my feelings because I'm numbing myself in different ways. It's about not feeling for me. It's about not feeling, not feeling for you. Pain. Mm. For I, for me, I think it's well because this hurts when I do yeah. that or when I do the thing with my nails. It hurts, so it's almost like I used to. I used to think I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely like uh, I'm trying to avoid pain because that's the human thing. But then when I started really thinking about it, I was like, I don't really care if I feel pain or not. I just want to be in control of what I'm feeling. I mean, I'd like to feel pleasure. But it's more about like when things are coming at me that I, I can't control, I go to something to control the way I feel. Yeah, that makes sense. Just for me. And I'm, but I've definitely also not – I definitely don't like pain, obviously. I, I'm an well, alcohol. I think there's different – I think the more you get into unconscious behavior mm -hmm. and realize how deep we are thinking when we don't realize that we are mm -hmm. and we're just doing – and you stop and you start thinking about it and you think about it more and things start to surface, then you realize, okay, that's even um, a, a more developed explanation than just saying the surface stuff that we learn to say. Yes. We learn to repeat. Yes. And I need to go deeper because if I just always stay on the surface, well, that's going to stay exactly where it is and I'm always going to be that vulnerable. Correct. I I, think, I totally agree with that, and I think that um, uh, we'll read. Why don't you read Habit Pattern Night? Because this is the way the, the the measures are. It's like you acknowledge something, you write it out, then you share it. You're basically in real time doing like a fifth step inventory with somebody with the world really, but no one knows who you are. But you read what's here, and then relate it to your own experience. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you go ahead and read it because it's your it's your pattern you picked up. When I indulge in the habit pattern of regulating my emotions with active 
mechanisms. I begin to lose time from work. I alienate friends and loved ones. I lose standing in the community. I neglect creative projects. I become increasingly full of shame and unwilling to be seen. I seek out lower companions to bolster my ego. I slowly disconnect from loved ones as my attachment addiction escalates. I neglect responsibilities and obligations. I become increasingly worried and troubled. I isolate escaping into fantasy and unhealthy obsessions such as seeking out inappropriate social partners and caretakers. This habit pattern validates the following core beliefs. I am unworthy because I withdraw from nurturing bonds and create insecure attachments. I am incapable because I abandon my life's work and take up any old job just to stay high. I am unlovable because I alienate those who love me and attach to people who neglect or abuse me. I am a victim because I require caretakers in order to survive. When I indulge in this habit pattern, I neglect a fundamental need for intimacy by shutting down connection, by isolating and attaching to drugs community, by harboring shame and hiding progression, by remaining stuck in a dissociative state security, by depending on others for my basic survival. My primary emotional response is anxiety, uncertainty, shame, and indifference. So that's just one person's example, but you'd relate it to your own thing. Like you talk about like what that does within the context for you. What's your truth? Because that's just that person's perspective. Oh, this is an example of what someone else wrote. Mm-hmm. It's not you. It's it's. But it's not what they're basically saying is. What they're saying is genuine, but it's just for them. It's just to give. It's just someone offering up their experience to help other people to do the same, mm. so that other people can find language. Because what we find with this, like you were talking about, that deeper. When we start really examining, and I think it, it'd be good if you don't mind jumping around for a sec. No, I don't mind. Um, in book three in this, because God was really talking to me prior to this saying, you know, there, this needs to be shared and you need to really go back in and understand this a little bit. Um, and so there's on page 107. Um, what we're tapping into here is a thing called uh, conscious awareness in this program. So in the mantras, when we say the alignment mantras, the second one, because I don't know what your, how, what's your thing with a higher power? Do you have a higher power or what's your concept or what do you call it? Or I believe in um, the energy from the universe is more scientific. Okay. It's not this God thing that huh. people talk about a lot okay well the one that i use i just call it collective consciousness so i say god being self angels deities saints gurus past present and future i'm just like saying all y'all my my god squad but whoever wants to help me i invite you into my right. creative process very similar to that yeah. yeah so it's like um but specifically what i'm tapping into there is a thing called conscious awareness um conscious awareness helps us become mindful of the range of choices available in creating our experiences Conscious awareness communicates with us through intuitive insights that directly serve our conscious and unconscious desires. And so what we're trying to do here is most of our desires are unconscious and automatic. Mm -hmm. So our desire for connection became like a need for control Mm -hmm. or our our desire for love became a need for um, validation. So these God-given desires have been twisted and kind of like – um 
bent to our will. I mean, so when they become unconscious, they're more about like, I need to just feel better right now, mm -hmm. as opposed to like, I need to address these patterns that are causing me to live in isolation and self-harm so that I can create some kind of a space so I can learn what loving friendships are about. Or for example, like people don't have that. And so when we tap into conscious awareness, we're actually tapping into like, it's like a new, it's like a new perspective and the, the, the conscious awareness actually shows us these habit patterns. So we actually get to see them, see them. And a lot of people don't want to see them. Mm -hmm. A lot of people really need to be like on their last, like, you know, in AA, they talked about like the last gaspers. So like the AA happened during the last part of the, the, the great depression. And so you had a bunch of people sitting around doing nothing, broke as hell, drinking bathtub gin, hating life. And just like basically like the pandemic was. Right. You know, and so if you didn't have that kind of a thing come about, if you didn't have those conditions, a lot of those guys wouldn't have been willing. And so it's the same kind of thing here. When someone really wakes up to the day where they go like, and AA is good as far as it goes, but they wake up to the day where they realize, like, I woke up to the day and I said, wow, I literally, I really, really created some, I made some poor decisions as a small child based on incomplete information and overwhelming circumstances that caused me to start behaving in ways. And I habitually behaved in those ways until I became those patterns. Right. And now I'm 48. And those patterns are killing me and I know they're killing me and I can blame it on my roommate. I can blame it on this person here. I can blame it on um, the government and Joe Biden and the vaccine or whatever I want to externally do to not take responsibility. But the fact is for me, those patterns are disconnecting me from that, that possibility that all those, there's those, you know, it's like we come out of the womb and we're three or four. There's all, like all kinds of possibilities. But by the time we get to be, our, I won't say, uh, yeah, all right, we're, we're peers. Uh, a lot of that stuff has become an impossibility. We're no longer, they're not even on the radar. We don't even think about them. You know what I mean? And so um, con tapping, uh, tapping into this conscious awareness helps us to want to, again, see through those eyes, those, those eyes of innocence, those childlike eyes, because that's never been affected. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um and so I guess read the three roles of conscious awareness, and then we'll go back. It's on 107, where it says conscious awareness plays three roles. <clears throat> First, it condemns our errors by allowing us to see them through eyes of spiritual truth. These errors are any pattern of thought and subsequent action that keep us fragmented. fragmented. When something is fragmented, <clears throat> excuse me, it is separated from the whole. It is not integrated. Fearful thought patterns are the enemy of collective consciousness. Anything that creates a barrier between conscious awareness and self-awareness is form of attachment addiction. Attachment addiction. Do you understand what that means? Just like, just like we can expand on any of this because we're not just reading stuff just to read it. We're actually trying to learn and understand it. You talked about you read the attachment addiction handout. So, like anything that creates a barrier between conscious awareness, which is like that spiritual awareness, mm -hmm. 
and self-awareness, which is like what the, like how it affects us as me as an individual, which mm -hmm. is very important because there's this whole woke movement going on and everyone's like kind of abandoning their self and wanting to become part of this, like, even like, I don't know, like, it's just, it, it, I think a collective, any kind of collective thing only works of like, like AA, like everyone has their strong individual thing. And then they decide that these shared principles are important enough. So we'll all abide by them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so like anything that creates a barrier between conscious awareness and self-awareness is a form of attachment addiction. So in the reading, it showed two different kinds of examples of, uh, there was like the substances, but then there was an attachment to like, what we, our narrative, the way we see the world, our ideas about the world, the beliefs we have about ourselves. So we're, it's like in the Bible, they say that's possession, but we have, we're possessed, we're attached to those ideas. Mm -hmm. Like what's a belief that you have about yourself that doesn't serve you? What don't I have? It's <laughs> <laughs> just pick one out of the closet. I'm nothing. And I'm probably going to die soon because I can't fix anything. So, like, so I am worthless and helpless? Yeah. Okay. So, like. It's good how you can do that. Well, I'm just listening. I mean, I it's only because I relate. So, like, I would, I am worthless and I am helpless. So it would say, like, basically that belief that you have <clears throat> is, a, a, that's the root of attachment addiction. And that causes us to find unavailable, neglectful, narcissistic partners that emotionally abuse us so that we can sit there with the belief and drink and have complete control of our misery. And so that in that way, and that's why, you know, that's, that's this room's not like bustling with people because this is hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's really only for folks that are like, you know, I'm just like really, um, it's like almost like I need to come home. Like I've been out like when it, it, it's interesting because I'm not a Bible guy, but there's some interesting stuff in there and it's like, you know, it's like basically the, the kids in the garden, Adam and Eve, they were like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to eat from the tree. Like, why wouldn't I? You told me not to. It's like every 13-year-old kid ever tells you not to sneak out in the middle and I'm going to go teepee my friends. I'm going to go egg that house. I'm going to take your car and I'm going to drive it into a wall because I'm a fucking 14-year-old and it's what I do. And so we kind of do that. But then the, those of us that created really terrible patterns because of trauma and neglect, by the time we reach our age, we're like, I just want to go home. I'm done with this tree of knowledge. It's time to go back to the tree of life. Like, how do I get back in alignment with that? I need that awareness to create new patterns to dig me out of this hole. Because I didn't do anything wrong. I don't need to admit my faults. I didn't, like, I'm not, like, some crazy sinner who just went around hurting people. I was just protecting myself. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and so, so it's those, 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 those hidden beliefs that we have. That caused us. That's the true attachment. Does that make sense? No, I totally believe it. And I also think about the amygdala where it, that's where you have those protective instincts that don't serve you. Mm -hmm. And I can see that as a child, when you have no other, nothing good coming in, nothing to help you deal with that, mm -hmm. um, that that's your voice now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's trying to protect me. My, the amygdala was supposed to protect you, but it it doesn't because it's it's antiquated. You know, I'm, I'm not facing dragons or anything. These are emotions. Right. So I don't have to run and hide in a cave, which, you, I, you know, I've done not to 
you know, since the pandemic, this is a whole different ball game. Since the pandemic? Functional. Yeah. Oh, okay. What, what changed, do you think? It, it was a slow... I had one major, a whole major thing happen. And from there, I've been surviving and struggling. And then with the... with Oh, so it was like an event that kind of set <clears throat> it off? Well, so, well, since the event initially made it the most horrible thing in my life, and that's when I didn't even start drinking excessively. Um, I even went to. Were you sober at the time of that when that what, when that thing happened? Did you have, were you kind just of sober? drinking like you do with your friends, and it didn't consume my life. I didn't drink every day. Well, I got you. So you were able to like kind of do, do you mind me asking if like were you at other times in your life had you gone to AA or been an, uh, identified as an alcoholic? After that, I I did. I actually I lived with somebody who I was working for, who they were alcoholics and she used to they were rich and she used to take me out to lunch and it was always like two bottles of wine and then crying mm. and I got like tired of that because I went to ACA and Al Anon first. Mm. So and it's kind of like she help. She's like she's taking you out, but she's really holding you hostage. You sit there and listen to I, all this stuff while you're drinking. That was my most of my job turned out to be listening to that. And when I said, you know, was it like I, a, a tape on repeat? It was kind of like yeah, the same exactly, thing. Exactly coming down again. at midnight, wasted. You know, just like what you hated as a kid. Mm-hmm. So you know, I know I walked into that because I you had I would uh, unconsciously, subconsciously, whatever, walked into something that I was familiar with. Yes, is that though? Oh, because that was a similar pattern from drunk, way my back. Mother drunk. Yeah, you know. Dude, my dad used to sit there and just get drunk. He'd take us out to dinner, and I'm like eight, nine, ten, and we're sitting at this dinner table for like two or three hours. He's drinking bottle after bottle, and we're all just sitting here like, "What the fuck?" And the conversation just gets weirder and more. <laughs> uh, you know, next thing you know, he's lecturing me about what I need to do, but he's like about to fall in the pie. It's like, dude, it's really weird. Like, totally relate. Yeah. So, and I'm going along. It was really fun. I was, I was going to all these great restaurants and, you know, she was paying for everything and it was, you know, rich food and great wine and all this kind of stuff. But I was like, this is going to kill me. I'm not, I don't, I can't survive. I don't have her means to survive Mm -hmm. becoming an alcoholic. Mm Mm-hmm. And what an interesting way to become an alcoholic. That's funny. Well, I mean, I think, uh, I think you, uh, it's always been a way that I've dealt with things to an extent, you know, like, Oh, after my, after I finished this huge project, then I get to go out and get drunk with my friends. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like just, you know, have a couple glasses of wine after that project. It was no, let it all go. Get, you know, you, you, you worked really hard for this. You deserve to get drunk. Yeah, that's that's not healthy at all, and that was normal. That's that's been normal way of drinking for most people I know, truthfully. Mm-hmm. That they don't go, they may not go overboard, but they go there. And still nowadays, whenever I go out or hang out with people that I hung out with and their friends, and they're successful people, that's the way the drinking is, and. It's normal. It was. It was normal. It's like blowing off steam, and they get back on the the the, the yeah. treadmill and keep rolling. I didn't get back on, but thing but is, they it's did. probably good that no, because at some point, I really think that um, I think that it is a drinking problem. There are roots there of those the people that I know that are based. You know, their parents were alcoholics or whatnot, and they're either 
you know, totally relate to ACA or Alan on the marry people who are alcoholics. Like same things as me. They're just keeping it in control. Okay. I, I'm not keeping it in control. So I have to deal with it. And I don't want to, I want to change. Well, do you, to, do you want to connect on that level or do you want to have different kind of connections that don't center around that? Like what's your desire? What's your God given desire? Cause did you find that that would just wasn't, that was inadequate after a while, just I, getting I drunk like with I people? I could have gotten a lot further in life if I didn't, think that was okay if, if I thought no this isn't cool it's, it's getting me off my path I totally agree it's with you 100%. taking my spirit away from me and I was on a spiritual path and then I would go out and get drunk mm -hmm. what does that do brings me back to step one you know well and I totally relate with that because I have just been coming to grips with what my addiction has done to my life where I, where I started off and I was going through some of my, like, I just was like, wow, like I kind of like, um, I limited my life and I've probably, there was a, some things that were possible for me when I was born and I'm just getting into acceptance because of this conscious awareness, which is brutal. It's just letting me know, like things are not where you expect them to be because of you, mm -hmm. because of you pulling out and, and, and not staying connected and going and getting high and, and doing your ritual and then coming back and then going out and then coming back. You know what I mean? Like it's the inconsistency. It's you leaving. It's you taking your will back. It's you reattaching to that addictive pattern and disconnecting from collective consciousness. Cause this, this, this has really been helpful for me. It's like, I can't attach to something and connect to spiritually at the same mm -hmm. time. I can't do it. It's absolutely impossible. So if I'm attached to this, or if I'm attached to my cell phone, if I'm in a moment, you know, it's like when I disassociate and I'm on Instagram or Twitter or whatever the thing is, I'm just as dissociated as when I'm on, uh, drink, drunk or high or whatever. So in any moment that I'm attaching to something, I'm dissociated and I'm disconnected. No, I'm just doing, I'm, I'm doing that to the point where I can't just sit still. It's really hard for me to not dissociate because I have to listen to myself. Yes. Well, it's, and, and with that said, because what's really cool about this and what honestly uh, it, the, the, the pearl like of this whole program is the mantras. They're beautiful because it's all self-determinative. Like you identify something, you identify a desire, you create a pattern, a pattern, a new overriding pattern. And then you, you, you input those commands and, and by doing the mantras, you're just putting one thought impression after another thought impression after another thought impression. You're depositing thought impressions in the unconscious. And slowly but surely, you're changing the culture of the unconscious. And over time, and what that's and when the unconscious has enough love, loving impressions in it that you desire, not some the generic bullshit like looking in the mirror and telling yourself you're beautiful all day. Like that's not what this is. Like, in fact, the way that this process is designed takes into account because you talked about the amygdala and what we've recognized is that my identity your identity or my character my ego whatever you want to call it is protected by the amygdala and it what how it protects the amygdala amygdala i don't even if i'm saying that right how the instinct the lizard brain protects our our, our identity is uh you want to read something really quick? Sure. Is to go to page. Oh, one thirty-eight. Let's take a closer look 
You can read it. So right where it says, let's take a closer look. If someone believes that they are ugly, they have accepted this idea as fact of their identity. They are ugly and they know it. This is who they are. This is eternalized to such an extent that their instincts for survival are primed to protect them from any potential threat. What does this mean exactly? If someone were to tell this individual that they were beautiful, their instincts would interpret this compliment as a threat. This is where deflection, dissociation, and projection come into play. In this case, their instincts would protect them from the potential threat to their self-defined identity of being ugly. By doing so, they miss out on opportunities for intimacy and connection. We're going to stop right there. Okay. So, do you, say, do you get that? Like, I, I'm doing that. We do it all day. Yeah, uh, yeah that's the whole thing. And so what the, the possibility and the alignment mantras do. So let's finish the, um, let's, what, we're going to go right into the mantras after um, you, you want to relate this habit pattern inventory to yourself. So the habit pattern number nine is on page 179. And to the best of your ability, because we're just doing an exercise. This is this person's idea. So what happens to you, like in your own words, when I indulge in the habit pattern of regulating my emotions with alcohol, you, that's me speaking for you, what, what does my life look like? What does what look like? See how this person described what, what happens to them? Like they lose, they, they, you know, they do lose time from work. They alienate friends and loved ones. Like what happens, what's your life look like when you're attached to these substances and disconnected from your, high, your greater power than self? Um, I'm consumed with fear, but I'm not really in touch with that feeling. This is when I was younger. I didn't necessarily identify as fear. It was just instinct that to back away. Mm -hmm. So if I was on a good positive path with my work, mm -hmm. I would screw it up. Hmm. You what, know? what does that look like? That looks like being with somebody who was really, you know, great at, marketing and advertising and helping me you know do that with my art when I wasn't good I'm not that great in that department and then um dumping him for an alcoholic oh wow yeah you know yeah um because I was familiar with that it was safe uh, that was like he's gonna find out I'm from a crappy family in fact he did see my crappy family and he loved you anyway he did, but I didn't. You wouldn't. Yeah, I you couldn't see it. it. Yeah, it's like the ugly thing. It's like, yeah, you dissociated yeah, and deflected well, from that. It's just going to be something he's going to tell me someday anyway, and then it's going to hurt even more. Mm, I totally relate. I killed a lot of relationships because I was afraid they were going to abandon me. I almost walked out on my kids because I was afraid that they were going to see the monster I believed I was. So that's good. And then so what beliefs does this habit pattern when you indulge in – this pattern, what about beliefs are you validating about yourself? Can you see how when you're indulging in these behaviors or revalidating a belief you have about yourself? Does that make sense to you? I'm creating the, I'm cementing the pattern. Yeah, the cement, well, I mean, in this, yeah, for like, you mean that like, well, the pattern is cementing the belief that you have about yourself or? Yeah, it's making it stronger and stronger. It's like um, anything you do that's good for you leads to other things that are good for you. When you do think anything you do leads to something along those lines. Absolutely. And if you, you could be doing it and then part of you holding back mm -hmm. further and you're not realizing it. 
So then stuff starts happening to go the other way. And you tell yourself, well, that's because life sucks and I'm going to go that way or life sucks for me or what, whatnot. And bad things are always going to happen to me because you're not completely abandoning to that path, you know? Right. You're not completely leaning into it and surrendering to it. You're yeah. kind of still holding on to the belief and the narrative about us being whatever. Right. Because we're super, super invested in that. And so it's great about, and then so what beliefs, can you name two beliefs? Just uh, what would be two beliefs that you reaffirm about yourself when you engage in this pattern of like addictive mechanisms, like, you, you know, going and drinking and disconnecting, dissociating with substances? I am unlovable and I am a loser like my family. Unworthy. Unworthy. Un incapable, unworthy. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And then when you... Is it now? I'm just going to ask you this question: Is it possible to to nurture these fundamental needs we talked about when we're actively validating a belief that we're unworthy and unlovable? What do you mean? So, the primary purpose of conscious creators is to support spiritual love and truth. But people are like, "What the fuck is spiritual love and truth?" So we broke spiritual love and truth down to, into nine fundamental needs. Okay. So while while if we're valid, if we're drunk. And we're affirming a belief that we're unlovable and we're unworthy when we're a loser. Is it possible in that same moment to be validating or fulfilling and nurturing a need for connection, community, intimacy, creative expression? Those needs can those needs such as that be met when we're doing engaged in that pattern? I don't know if they could be met, but we could start to look at it and like you talking about mantras and. No, I'm saying what, here's the deal. Like when I'm actively calling myself a piece of shit and I'm drunk in isolation, is it possible to get any of those needs? Oh, back? no. No. Okay, I'll put it like that. <laughs> so what we're trying to say is like, so the reason why this habit pattern inventory doesn't talk about people, it's looking at patterns of behavior. And what it's trying to show us is, is yes, when I get drunk, I fucking bail on people who are emotionally supportive and I seek out unavailable alcoholics who I can rescue and I get that. I had an amazing woman uh, wanted to love me. She was a folk singer. She was an artist. She wanted to make babies with me. She was a super rad woman. I was doing like, I had an art collective doing these events at this yoga temple. And it was just like, after one of the events, it was actually called Ego Armageddon. After the event, I went, my ego had an Armageddon. I went and got loaded and bailed on her. And next thing I know, I'm chasing around this uh, junkie girl who's totally like high on heroin and ignoring me. So I, I get it. So, but when I'm engaged <laughs> in that behavior, there I am neglecting these needs. These th this pattern of behavior is undermining my ability to live in my purpose. And our purpose is not just to fulfill our fundamental needs. It's saying that no one's getting these needs net right now. And I want to be available to spiritual love and truth. Whatever I'm on deck, like whatever's needed to help people start nurturing these needs, I'm down. But we can't do it when we're indulge, indulging in these patterns of behavior. Does that make sense? That's a great inspiration to stop yourself from indulging in the behaviors. Yes. Knowing that that's what you're consciously doing. Or, you know you're doing it and you know you're avoiding good things and therefore you take all the blame for it if you go down that path or you can choose to do something different. Yes. And so the different thing now that we're done with the third measure, uh, would be, we're going backwards a little bit here because we're, uh, but we were going to go into the possibility mantras. Okay. And that's going to be on page 
Um, possibilities managers. So there's some directions here on how to write out and how to say your possibility mantras, but the actual possibility mantra for the habit pattern, you've, you, the way it's written in the book. So, you know, we're used to regulating our emotions with drugs and alcohol, and we want to override that with a pattern of regulating our emotional well-being through human and spiritual connection. So we want to use connection to regulate our emotional well-being rather than attaching to things. We see that attaching to things perpetuates our trauma patterns and keeps us in these beliefs that we're incapable and we're unlovable. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so what we're going to do is we're going to aggressively treat those pattern, that pattern with the possibility mantra. And we're going to say, we frame these, uh, and let's go back to the, the remember the thing that we, we talked about the person having, uh, believing they're ugly. Mm-hmm. So the second part of that is on page one second. Okay, so what's um, it's on possibility mantras on page 142. If you get to 142, you can read that paragraph right there. Okay. Our possibility mantras are designed to reach the unconscious. Which could also be looked at as a subconscious. We look at the unconscious literally like it, 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 like it stores data like mm-hmm. a smartphone. So right. it just stores all the That's, thought impressions. I think that too. Mm-hmm. Let's revisit our earlier example to help illustrate their effectiveness. If someone knows they are ugly, we don't offer the opposite suggestion. We do not suggest that they tell themselves that they are beautiful. Instead, we help them begin to accept the possibility of being beautiful. Framing suggestive affirmations in the form of a possibility keeps our unconscious character asleep at its post. The unconscious character is what we call the ego. Okay. Because more specific, it's like a character that's like built upon this identity that we have, these beliefs and these patterns and this narrative that mm-hmm. shit sucks. Yeah. That, there's a character that expresses that, but it's not us. It's like our persona or a mask. Right. That makes sense. Thus, new possibilities can make their way past the insecurity guard and into the unconscious. Does that make sense? It does. I don't know how to do it. But... Oh, I'm going to show you right now. Okay. So then we're going to go to page uh, possibility. Good thing that we there's some stuff here. So 157. <laughs> Good thing you're not going to leave me hanging. Yeah, no. That was, well, and imagine having the awareness we had for five years without any solution. It was brutal. That's why I gave up. I, I said I can't find one. It was brutal. Mm-hmm. So once I found this, I was like, thank you. <laughs> Okay, so possibility mantra number nine on 157. So th- this, if someone were to begin to, to, to treat this pattern, these survival patterns, like it says here, they would reach e- read each of these. Like, yep, We have to commit it to memory, and it's suggested in this process that you do a minimum of three patterns. So there's 20 listed here. Right. So if a person wanted to start doing the possibility mantra cycle, what they would do is pick three, do the habit pattern inventory for all three, share them, and then move right into doing the possibility mantras for those. But we don't just do one. It's a minimum of three. I don't know why that is the way it is, but it's something there's supposed to be at least three that we do at the same time. A day? Yeah, twice a day in the beginning. But you just read each of these lines three times. And so you can read it and see how that feels to you. I should read it? Yeah, I, I can read it. What do you, you want to read it or you want me to read it? This is kind of all about you right now, so. 
Okay. Um, I accept the possibility of regulating my emotional well-being through human spiritual connection. So you, I mean, you don't have to say it three times, but it's like, uh, you know, so in the beginning, it's like, so, so you just want to say each one of those lines? I accept that regulating my emotional well-being through human and spiritual connection is now possible for me. I accept that I can now regulate my emotional well-being through human and spiritual connection. I just love regulating my emotional well-being through human and spiritual connection rather than using addictive mechanisms. So you may say that like once it's connected to memory, like I say I'm slow. Sometimes I use those weights over there for bilateral stimulation. Some, I, what I was doing when I was doing the possibility mantras is a lot of lower body stretching, mm -hmm. opening, like stretching my hamstrings and my, uh, my uh, I don't know why. I was just like obsessed with stretching and saying them at the same time. But yeah, it's suggested that, you know, you do the three, you pick the three patterns, you do those for, you do the sitting for 40 days, and then you move into the alignment mantras. And by, at the time I was done with the alignment mantras, I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like there was definitely uh, a lot of shifts that were happening. And what it, what it did was the possibility mantras, because right now these things are what, my experience has been that when I came into the process, this is who I was. And now it's patterns of behavior that I indulge in. And then it became, now it's more like patterns of behavior that I did used to indulge in. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it was literally who I am. And I'm going to fight to the death to even protect it, even if it means I'm dying of alcoholism, because that's how much my instincts had taken control of and possessed my identity myself my ego was completely controlled by my instincts and it wasn't letting go of it and when i dropped enough thought impressions into my unconscious it was no longer corrupted with fear and control and it opened up my amygdala and my uh, the ego jumped out of it and then i was able to start spiritually serving but right now it's literally locked it's like you're dislodging something from ego protection mm -hmm. and you're you're taking a, a we're facilitating an experience where the self is being driven by instinctual fear and obsessive need for control, dislodging it from that and getting it into a space where it's, it now can be intuitively guided by this GPS. And that's literally been my experience. Yeah. Not even as I'm reading this, I'm getting these urges to drink. Cause it wants to keep, it the, wants to keep the control. Mm -hmm. I'll just, you just drink, go home and drink yep. one more time. Cause it exposed it too quickly. Probably. I think after this isolation, I had a lot of things why I was completely isolated, but after being that screwed up and only by myself in my sick brain, it just spiraled so out of control. I, I thought I was going to die anyway, so nothing mattered. And when I didn't die, <laughs> I just thought, well, okay, try. All I said was I was going to try to one of my friends. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is it possible for you to begin to regulate your emotions through human and spiritual connection? Yeah, but things keep shutting down. No, I said, is it possible? Oh, yeah. That's it. That's all you need to start with this thing. That's the same thing as coming. You be. We're not coming to believe in a power greater than ourselves. We're accepting that something's possible. And we're, we're, we're saying, you know, I, yeah, it's possible for me to create these new experiences. I don't know how. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to demonstrate willingness. It's uncomfortable because basically we just like came in and like conscious awareness. We're, 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 it, here's the thing that your instinct needs to understand. We're not getting rid of it. We're not mm -hmm. killing it. 
It's not going away. We're not killing your ego. Your e- if your ego is listening, this isn't about getting rid of the ego. It's not about killing your instincts. You're in, you're awesome. You're perfect. You serve a really great purpose. Things have just gotten out of hand. You're an unfit guide for a human being who's trying to have a spiritual experience. So all we're trying to do with this is to help Nance, oh, our friend, get on the spiritual surfboard and have some new experiences. The ego is actually going to really dig it because it's going to have all kinds of new power to do things that it wasn't doing before. So it actually like supercharges the ego, but it's, yes, there's going to be, it's unfamiliar. Does that make sense? It's some. Yes, definitely. But the it's e- bigger than the other. I see this as white, uh, good trying. And then there's this dark cloud that's consuming it, yelling at it, going, no, I wanna, you know, we can do this. And But that thing's gotten so out of hand and so not reachable and like a monster, you know? The You talking about like the identity and the narrative and like the, we call it, um, we try to give some language to it. It's hard because we call it the killer inside section and it's the unconscious creator. And so we're actually going to wrap in like a couple of minutes, okay. but basically we're we'll just, see. well, I'm just going to, the unconscious creator starts on page 31 and it goes through imagine fear and talks about what these mental image assumptions are when that's mm-hmm. how we project these things. We imagine our partners unfaithful. We imagine we will be laughed off stage. We imagine that the dog is going to bite our leg. We talk about fearful love. We talk about a thing called instinct mode and how that turns on our instinct mind. And then, you know, we become reactive and what a fearful and reactive mind is and how it's very different from an open and receptive mind. And then we talk about trauma's role. We talk about, you know, what these automatic thought patterns and self-defeating beliefs do. And this is all what we're up against. This is like the same as like more about alcoholism. This is, talks about the unconscious creator. It talks about everything you're describing. It gives language to it. And then it just helps the person to, then there's a bunch of questions that we've all answered um, talking about this stuff. So you can hear it from different perspectives, not like, you know, a woman's voice, you know, different people besides myself. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so I guess the thing would be, your experience today has this been helpful yeah but i need to start working on the solution and there's no books so well i could have i could definitely send you a a digital copy oh yeah totally digital copies are free on on our pathfinder website you can download it right where the meeting thing is anytime we make that available for like you can get the digital copy today like where's the link under conscious oh you go to the meetings uh, the the meeting schedule Mm -hmm. so there's a meeting schedule on the pathfinders club so you scroll down to any of our meeting links and it'll say listen to the podcast or download the free pdf right underneath where conscious creators yeah right where it says listed yeah so we make that available for anyone okay so we definitely want anyone we want to make it available we just only have i mean not i'm fine with that i i go to um, staples and I, I have a printer but that's a lot of no papers. no 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 use the pdf and then um uh i would i mean I, there's other people working this right now so you're just you know if you would like to engage the process there's a way to go about doing it 
um, that's been suggested. I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can just jump right into the mantras. But the way that we've done it that's been really helpful for us, I mean, it's uncomfortable living in this awareness. But if you have to do, like we would actually meet up and we would read through the unconscious creator section together. And you would say, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, make sure I, I make things clear for you. And then you would go through and you would start the steps by uh, start the measures by picking three. And then when you pick those three patterns or you decide, you choose, oh my gosh, these patterns just suck. You know, my th big three were creating insecure and unhealthy attachments. Like I would throw away people who wanted to love me and I would like attach to unhealthy, unavailable partners. Uh, I would withhold and reject love control mm -hmm. like push it away and then and then but using the addictive mechanisms and also um what was the one that was really awful for me in the beginning as well oh victim being the victim <laughs> playing the victim and even if i was taking care of everyone exhausted and like like i was doing everything for everybody i was still a victim i was just a victim you know one thing i me. never wanted to be because my mother was yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when you look at it, so what you're doing. <laughs> and even if I'm just super uh, self-reliant to the point of like, right. no one's ever going to help me. It's crazy how that still is a victim. It's, I'm still and that's a victim. what I did too. I made myself so independent that it wasn't sustainable. <laughs> it's not sustainable. Now I want to do that process. However, I get started. Cool. Well, um, hey, for everyone at home, we're donezo for today. I really appreciate our special guest coming in and being uh, willing to uh, help us help us develop the material. Anyone who's listening that would like uh, more information about our process or would like to contribute in any way, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can reach out via email at addressing the cause, A D D R E S S I N G, the cause, all one word, at gmail.com. And that's it. Thanks so much.